Tarnan woke on the stone floor of a small dark shed that smelled of blood and hanging meat. His ankles and wrists were lashed together. His head pounded like someone had been at it with a mallet. He brought his bound hands up and felt for damage. One side of his head was tender, but there wasn't any blood, nor was the bone broken underneath. So he still had his brains, the little good they did him. He pushed himself up into a sitting position against one of the walls and felt a stab of pain shoot down his left side. Then the image of river on the forest floor came to him. Grief welled up again. Tears sprang to his eyes. He sat for some time thinking of her and the creature he tried to protect her from. He knew that beast wasn't a woodikin. It was far too tall, and no woodikin he'd ever heard of built sheds. They lived in great trees or burrowed in the ground, which meant the creature had to be Harnock. Or was it something else that lived in the wilds? Either way, he had to get out of this shed. He had to find her. He explored the darkness and found the skinned and headless carcass of a large animal hanging by its hindquarters on the other side. He ran his bound hands along its length, felt the hooves at the top, and confirmed it was a deer. The carcass explained the smell. It also suggested exactly what was going to happen to Tarlan in the not-too-distant future. The image of his own carcass skinned and hanging next to the deer's set his heart beating a little faster. There had to be a way out of here. He felt his way to a door and carefully tried it, but it was barred from the outside. He pushed harder. The door gave just a little, but the bar was solid and held fast. Maybe there was a window. He felt about for one, but the shed was wattle and daub from top to bottom, and it was thick wattle, which meant it wasn't going to be an easy thing to kick through. The floor was made out of slabs of stone cemented together with mortar. Such a floor was a good defense against animals wanting to dig their way in. It was also good against young men with nothing but their fingernails to use as pry bars. The beating of Tarlan's heart kicked up a notch. He took a breath to calm himself and realized that even if he did get out, he wouldn't be running far with his ankles and wrists bound. So he went to work on the lashing around his wrists, picking and pulling with his teeth. The knots were tight, but they weren't impossible, and he finally succeeded in loosening one of them. It took only a few minutes longer to defeat the lash completely and wriggle his swollen hands free. He rubbed them, then went to work on the lashings around his ankles. When his legs were free, he stood, and realized that not only was it quite possible he'd missed something feeling about in the dark, but also that he had the eyes to see despite the blackness about him. He concentrated and tried to separate the part of himself he'd used to attack River and escape the Dreadman, but his other part eluded him. He thought back to when he was by the Dreadman's campfire, tried to remember what he'd done, and felt for that part of himself again. This time he felt the odd shift and a part of himself detached. A moment later, the interior of the shed revealed itself in a dim yellow light, and then, to his surprise, two more parts of himself joined the first. He suddenly perceived the shed from three different angles, and the competing views disoriented him, made him dizzy. He let out a cry and pulled his parts back in and was once again plunged into darkness. Regret's eyes, what kind of freak was he? He felt a panic rising inside, then told himself that running about like a chicken wouldn't do anyone any good. Whatever his affliction, it wouldn't go away by him setting his hair on fire. Besides, his freakish parts had allowed him to escape Nashrud and those dreadmen, Whatever he was becoming, he would deal with it later. Right now, he needed to see. He calmed his breathing, sent his parts back out. Again, the dizzying view of the yellow world rushed upon him, but this time he tried to relax. 
When he did, he realized he could focus on the view seen by just one of these parts. It was like bringing your thumb up in front of you and switching your gaze between it, something a few feet away, and a scene in the distance beyond. When focusing on one of the views, the others faded into his periphery. Tarlan settled on the view closest to his body and gazed at the other two parts of himself. They were long and eel-like. They reminded him, to his horror, of the shining eel-like creatures that had surrounded the mother down in her cave. Then his anger rose, and he told himself he didn't rotting care what they were or what he was. If some cursed creature had twisted him, he would use that power to his advantage. He could see in the darkness with these things, could attack and spy. In time, he might be able to do more. He looked about the shed and saw nothing that would help him dig through the floor, saw no easy way through the roof. So it was back to the door. It had given a little, maybe he could force it. If he was multiplied, he was sure he could. Tarlan prepared to multiply himself, then remembered the king's collar about his neck. He yanked on it, tried to break it by brute force, but the metal was strong and resisted him. He thought a moment. Maybe the weave could be broken by fire. After all, that's how he destroyed the monster in the cave. He tried to multiply himself, to pour forth a flood of fire, but the surge only flowed away from him. He tried again, but it was like trying to hold the wind in your hand, and it was clear that if there was a law for breaking the bond, this wasn't it. He'd have to break the door down unaided. However, it would do little good to start banging around with his captor right outside, so he held still and listened for what might be there. He stilled his breathing, focused on sound, and heard nothing outside the shed. After a few minutes, he decided there was no reason to delay further. He tested the door again, then shoved it hard with his shoulder. He thought he felt it give just a little, and his hopes rose. He shoved again, but failed to move it more. He squared himself to the door and kicked it as hard as he could, and the thinnest of cracks of light appeared around the side and bottom. He kicked it again and saw the cracks of light widen. He pulled himself up and prepared to kick it one more time with all his might when the bar scraped up and the door flew open. The creature that had throttled him in the piney woods stood there, the sun silhouetting its massive frame. The light rushed in and gave Talon a fourth pair of eyes, the eyes of his three roaming parts and the eyes of his flesh. The quadruple vision turned everything into a terrifying sight. In reflex, Talon struck at the beast with his roamlings. And with that strike, the scent of the creature's soul shot through Talon, and his hunger for it sharpened. The creature smelled delicious.